Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm delighted to share this series is in partnership with Heck. Being an independent and family-owned business, they pull out all the stops to bring that farmer's market quality to the supermarket shelf. The classic beef burger gets a lot of attention, but I really think chicken burgers give them a run for their money, and it's hard to beat Heck's new Chicken Italia burgers. With tomato, basil and mozzarella, they're chicken burgers with a true Italian twist. Paired with a soft, fluffy back, sweet relish and some crunchy leaves, these burgers make for a refreshingly simple but delicious dinner. You can find Hex Chicken Italia Burgers in Sainsbury's Waitrose or online at hexfood.co.uk. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic and author of Renourish and Top of Your Game. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Some of us can definitely say we have a sweet tooth. Whether it's cakes, chocolates, cookies, lollies or fizzy drinks, our world is filled with intensely pleasurable sweet treats. In the UK, we are consuming more than double the recommended amounts of sugar. We're surrounded by it, not only in its pure form, but also in foods we're told are healthy. Like or lump it, few of us are getting through the day without adding sugar to our daily diets. Some call it toxic and poisonous, whilst others say it's essential for energy. So joining me to help us understand just how much of an impact sugar has had on us is Dr. Kortha Hashem, registered nutritionist and campaign lead for Action on Sugar. Hello, Kortha. Hiya. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in today. We have got a lot of different things to cover, and I think eating sugary foods can become so ingrained in our lifestyles. And I'd like to ask you, because this is your field, just how much of a problem has it become? 
I mean, it's only because we have a revised recommendation to reduce levels of sugar compared to, say, 10 years ago. Mm. The evidence has grown and now we know the impact of sugar more on our health Mm. and therefore we need to be reducing it. And I don't think it's easy to see people just telling people to reduce it, that it will work. Mm. It's more about what else is contributing to people having excess sugar intake. And I emphasise excess because it's not like you can't have any sugar. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's it's about, you know, for an adult, up to seven teaspoons of sugar you can have in a day. Um, But it's about all the foods that sugar's been added to um, Mm. that are contributing to this amount and therefore to the excess amount that you're having. Um, So it's not just about what people... Um, Mm. could do but it's also about what is advertised what's marketed what's essentially in the product itself and whether that can be reduced by companies so many factors no well there are there are so many factors and I think we should probably start by explaining what even is sugar I think it's quite a confusing topic I mean could we start with maybe saying what it is and if natural is different natural sugars you know that kind of thing Essentially, all sugar is natural. Mm. We don't really have a type of sugar that is made in a lab like you would have for sweeteners. Um, So all sugar um, is natural. Um, Essentially, table sugar is made from uh, sugar beet or sugar cane. Sugar Mm. beet is a type of, you know, root vegetable. Yeah. um, And sugar cane is a type of grass. It's interesting Um, you say that because when I was in Barbados on holiday last year, I think that's one of their biggest um, uh, farming kind of agricultural profit for the country. It's sugar cane. And actually, probably like 150 countries around the world depend mm. on uh, sugar production. And it's about how those countries could change their produ- production to be um, for, you know, healthier crops. Um, but it's been dependent on for such a long time mm. that it contributes to many economies around the world. Mm. Um, and it's also looking at factors that, you know, as far as that, how could we change it? Um, so, yes, yeah, so all sugar is natural. However... Um, There's a however, depends. always. I mean, are we talk, when you say natural, do you mean like a simple kind of sugar molecule? Like, is, is sucrose different to the sugar cane and beet? So sucrose will be um, t- essentially table sugar. It will be what would be derived from sugar cane and sugar beet. Mm. Um, what we do have alternatives, for example, when you have concentrated apple juice, mm. um, which is added sometimes as an ingredient, yeah. um, that is predominantly probably fructose. And yeah. so it's processed slightly differently in the body. Um, um, so that's different. But if we're talking about free sugar, so this yes. is the definition okay, that yeah. we're using. Go for it, tell me. Um, so free sugars is a type of... Um, it's it's kind of the new definition we're, we're using, but and, and saying the word free doesn't mean that they're free of anything. <laughs> um, it's just that they're free, perhaps in 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 those products to mm. um, potentially be quite concentrated and do contribute to some sort of damage if they're consumed in excess. And so within this definition, we're looking at all the sugars in in honey in all types of syrups, even the so-called healthier syrups, mm, like looking at garbage we'll syrup that, and yeah. so forth, um, but also, you know, what you would know as table sugar um, and also um, what is concentrated from any fruit. Mm. Um, so fruit juice also contributes to that. So just to kind of clarify, so we know, like you said, that sucrose is made, I mean, from what I'm aware, it's made of 50% glucose and 50% fructose, and that makes a sucrose molecule, one sugar. And if you're talking about free sugars how does someone know then how is it because it's outside of an original kind of item like you've mentioned fruit juice or fruit sugars 
but eating the fruit itself obviously just contains fructose and fruit sugars. It's, it's very confusing for people to understand. I, I definitely think it's really confusing mm. and I think we really need to distinguish whole fruits, the types of sugars you would get in mm. whole fruit uh, because essentially it's not being processed in any way mm. and actually consuming fruit has a lot of protective elements so populations mm. that do have high intake of fruit and vegetables there's protection from that uh, totally. in terms of chronic disease and etc. Mm. Um, but we don't necessarily see the same thing when it comes to you know high consumption of juices yeah. or for example having sucrose as in table sugar mm. or um, syrups and foods and I think what's really important is to focus on the types of foods that have these ingredients added to mm. it because while you know we look at sugar and most images are comparing table sugar um, most people are probably not adding that much table sugar to their tea and coffee. That's probably, the, or even to their cereal, um, well, if people are still doing that. Um, but it's about all the other types of foods that are contributing. We can we can talk about that because yeah, all I, the different sources, mm. particularly in children's diet, where mm. are they getting most of their sugar from? Well, that's the interesting thing you've mentioned. So we know that free sugars are the ones we've got to be looking out for. But just to explain to people, because it gets confusing, sugar is essentially in everything isn't it before we go down the route of saying where they come from so what's the difference between let's say monosaccharides or, or um, these words that people may see on the back of packets like galactose or glucose or fructose I mean could you break those down for me first of all and then we can delve into where we're going to get them I think that there's probably about a hundred different types of names <laughs> that essentially describe different types of sugars. Do they all end in O's? Not necessarily. Ah. Um, so there will be types where it's essentially it will be it will be called um, cane sugar. Mm. Um, so as though because it mentions cane, it's like healthier. Um, and I mean, I've been you know across so many different types of words. But essentially, we need to look at the label where it's talking about total total sugars because that's what it sums it up in terms of let's say a product contains about 30 grams of total sugars and you know that product has no fruit has no milk um, and so we're not deriving there isn't any sugars that are coming from those natural sources which are not included in the definition of free sugars mm. So then you'll be like, okay, so all the sugar in that product is essentially free sugars. Mm. It's either coming from different types of syrups, ingredients, table sugar, so So forth. everyone at home, you want to look at the total sugars in the product apart on the back of the from, pack. Apart from when it has added fruit or added um, milk or if it's yogurt or etc. Mm. Then those types of sugars we, we shouldn't be worried about. But I think it's it's difficult because our label, it doesn't describe, if it would describe uh, free sugars on the label, that would be really helpful mm. because then we would know, essentially... Do you think they will put that down as free sugars on the label anytime soon? I think that's... Well, we're calling for that and I would mm. hope at some point that would happen, but our labelling system is, um, you know, it's enforced by EU regulations mm. um, and unless we are able to change that I don't think and actually those regulations you know came about for you know there was probably yeah. a 10 year consultation to bring about all these types of labels of course um I would hope that there will come a time where it's a bit clearer I mean in yeah. the US they have added sugar mm. label which is I think a bit more helpful yeah um, than compared to um, what we have so obviously that's what we're looking at we know that there's an excess we know what we need to be looking for but what about 
this is very confusing for people as well, is of course glucose or carbs are effectively sugar, aren't they? Vegetables are effectively full of sugar, so are fruit. So why are people worried about this? Why do we need to be aware of these types of sugars as well? I think people shouldn't be worried about the sugar and fruit because... Mm. Um, there are many other benefits to having whole fruit, mm. fibre, vitamins, minerals um, and many other um, nutrients that are essential. Um, so we shouldn't be worried about that at all. Um, what we should be worried about is the main sources of sugar in our diet. And the main sources generally are going to be soft drinks, fizzy drinks, mm. particularly in teenagers' diets in the UK. But if I can bring it back to fruit, because yeah. people always ask me and they always say, they are saying, but I'm scared of fruit. I'm yeah. scared of it. What, why? Because people tell me in the headlines in the newspaper that fruit is just as bad as having X amount, like we said at the beginning, these sugar cubes. People make comparisons between a pear perhaps having like seven sugar cubes. Can you explain why that's not the case and why fructose might be different to sucrose? So fructose will be processed differently, but mm. when it's concentrated, there is growing evidence around it might have um contributing to fatty liver disease because it's mainly processed there mm. um so when you're looking at you know drinking cartons and cartons of uh, fruit juice yeah when you know that doesn't we've got a recommendation to only stick to 150 mils and i this is a bit of a mils of fruit juice for a day. me because you can't <laughs> even find 150 mils little carton in the supermarket no um so it's a very small amount wow and that is what the recommendation is right now. Um, but we can't easily find those products. And actually, people have no idea how much that is, actually. No, and I think there's also a difference between eating something and drinking it. Absolutely. And I think because in a juice, you're taking away a lot of the benefit, whether it's the fibre, mm. you're essentially extracting and breaking the cells of the fruit to take out the sugars and the liquid. Um, so the, essentially the water in that product and the sugars are concentrated in a, in a fruit juice. Yeah. And what you end up with is, for example, the equivalent in, let's say, you know, a 300 ml bottle of fruit juice, equivalent of maybe six oranges. If you sat and, <laughs> if you sat and ate six oranges, you'll be really full, but you could easily have that, um, when you're, you know, with your breakfast. It's also the speed in which those sugars must hit your system. I mean, liquid form, it's very fast, isn't it, compared to eating an actual whole fibrous item itself. Yeah. So if that's the case with fruit, what about distinguishing between the types of sugars in terms of bread, carbohydrates, that kind of thing? Because I also hear that now. I mean, we hear everything these days of sugar. But why do people not need to worry about glucose? let's say compared to the fructose and the sucrose so essentially many all carbohydrates are going to be broken down to glucose in your mm. body um, and they will be used by your brain cells your muscles or stored in the liver um, and it's again the evidence is that these are not the type of it's not carbohydrates that we're concerned with it's sugar that we're concerned mm. with and it's the different sources of sugar that are mm. coming in our diet yeah um, so Again, we would we really have to focus on this because I know there's so much confusion. It's the headlines around this constantly. Yeah. You can't have carbs. Exactly. You, can't, you can't eat fruit. What can you eat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it's not carbohydrates. The recommendations are not around carbohydrates. Yeah. The recommendation is strictly around free sugars. Free sugars. Diet. I want everyone listening to this podcast to remember <laughs> that free sugars are not the natural, lovely things that you find in your in your carbs or your fruit. It's the extra stuff you add. Now, Public Health England said that the average ten year old 
four-year-old has consumed as much sugar in their lifetime as the recommended limit for an 18-year-old. Can you expand on that and why perhaps children are growing up now in, in what has been labelled as an obesogenic environment? So, again, I think it's really important to look at, because kids are not essentially adding teaspoons of of sugar to I their cereal not. or I their really tea or if they are having tea um, it's essentially coming in the different types of foods that essentially are marketed promoted widely available near schools etc so it's the diet that they're surrounded with that yeah. they're opting for mm. um, so these types of foods generally what are the main sources of sugar yes. in children's um, yes. diets 40% of all the sugar is coming through drinks <gasps> some sort of drink, whether it's juices or soft drinks, and I think, or energy drinks, actually. Um, so that's 40% of all the sugar that there. So this is what we have to focus on. This that's is the reason why we statistic. have... Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think th- this is the main reason why we have the sugar tax, which we'll, we'll come to ah. later on. Um, and then we, we'll look at all the other different types of sources, which are common. Included in that is breakfast cereals. Mm. Um, and also cakes, biscuits, you know, the ones that you typically would think they are sugary foods. Yeah. Um, ice cream is included, sweet spreads, um, so your chocolate spread, Nutella. Your, your jam spreads. <laughs> I was going to mention that. Yeah, you can't label the name, but I did it for you, so it's fine. <laughs> um, so these, so there are about 10 different types of food groups Um that are contributing to excess sugar in children's diets and the big focus is around drinks Um, Mm. and I think that is very important to look at why why are children drinking such excess amounts of drinks that are contributing to sometimes it can replace and this is a very sad stat that I also read that it replaces breakfast for so many children out there they're just having energy drinks and I think it's because perhaps parents I mean correct me if I'm wrong may think that it's healthier or a source of energy to give their child that type of drink before school or that the parent doesn't even know because mm. the child leaves home, goes to the high street, gets off the bus, buys the energy drink and walks to school drinking it. And yeah, I used to buy um, those, um, what do you call them, those pick and mix kind of sweeties, pear drops in jars and things. Well, not for breakfast, <laughs> but I take it with me to school. I probably got through a pack of sweets every week, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I won't be surprised. I kind of did similar things. We had vending machines in schools yeah. where essentially it was full of juices and crisps and that's basically what we ate most of the time. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, currently children, they are not necessarily exposed to that inside school because there are standards for, and I, I assume there are not that many vending machines that are selling these kind of foods anymore. Mm. Um but actually, they are. They can access the high street. They can go there. Often there are, you know, offers and discounts for school children in um, takeaway outlets, so forth. So I think that that's where the problem is. And I think maybe we were a generation it didn't see the impact of it but definitely we're seeing more mm. of it because it's starting earlier now and, and kids. is that something action on sugar in particular or the government are trying to correct like you said people targeting children and advertising because we know as well it's not just the obesity or, or the weight it's also the fact that <laughs> we're looking at teeth decay and we've had a record high number of children that have had teeth extracted in hospital this year because of tooth decay yeah absolutely and I think what we often forget 
our teeth is one of the strongest tissue in the human body mm. and sugar like there are there is nothing that you could see such immediate correlation between a nutrient and a damage to uh, you know, a damage in the body as you could see it with with sugar mm. and teeth I mean um, it's because it contains so much like you said about the drinks I mean I've got some stats here in front of me that Costa's largest chai latte has 20 teaspoons of sugar there are seven teaspoons in a can of Coca-Cola, four teaspoons in a can of tomato soup. I mean, tomato soup in particular might surprise people listening. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, look at the total sugars on the label, but also mm. look at the ingredients list and mm. see if sugar is listed. And actually, sometimes, yeah. most of the time, sugar is listed. So what um, can we do to help One of the first them? three ingredients. Yeah, I mean, how can we help the, ch- the children of today? What can we tell parents if they're listening? So... I think it's really difficult for parents. You know, you go into a supermarket and there's probably over 100,000 products. It's really unrealistic to expect parents to go through these products. And often, you know, they have 30 minutes to spare to rush into a supermarket, buy the essentials Mm. and walk out. Mm. And most of them don't, you know, they prefer not to go with their children. And some don't have a choice, have to go with their children. So it's even a more chaotic experience. Um, So I think it's, and particularly our campaign it's about focusing beyond that how could we help parents mm. how could we change the supermarket environment because you don't see buy one get one free on a banana i made a joke with jenny rosborough who did our um, public health nutrition you just don't see buy one get one freeze on, on fruit like that compared yeah, exactly. to chocolate You'll see on chocolate, Mm. it's about looking at... So currently we have a consultation, well, actually it's just concluded, looking at what types of price promotions and place promotions Mm. um, the government should look at. Because Mm. essentially there are supermarkets that want to do the right thing. and But at the same time, they don't want to be at an economic disadvantage compared to their competitor. So if a supermarket is putting all the soft drinks at Mm. end of aisle, so that you're always exposed to it, and therefore, because they know most people, by seeing it they will buy it um if they if another supermarket is not gaining that advantage then it potentially they might do it for a year and then give up but if you create a level playing field if you say you you all essentially can't do this or 50 percent of your promotions or 70 percent of your promotions have to be unhealthier products you can't be just promoting all these at end of aisle so that would be categorized as place promotions um and at checkouts too at children's eye level Looking at all these, then it changes the environment. Maybe, you know, if going to different European countries, you don't see that level of promotion. So I've got a very good friend from university who we were actually studied at Rehampton Uni together and she's also a nutritionist. And she lives in Norway. And Norway don't have any of these kind of things. So do you think we're going to go down the same kind of route that these other European countries have gone down with preventing those horrible, um, tempting aisles in the supermarket? I mean, essentially, if we want to change people's diets in a way that just nudges them to healthier options... Um, that's what we would have to do. Mm. It kind of goes back to basics. How did supermarket? How were supermarkets, you know, or grocery stores looked like before? Yeah. Before we had all these products that are constantly competing against each other. It would look quite beautiful, I think, actually, if we yeah. went back to basics in a supermarket. I mean, all the sugary foods, anything that would be described as red, 
for whether fat, salt or sugar. On the traffic light label. Yeah. Yeah. Should stick to the aisle that it's supposed to be in. I love that idea. A red traffic light aisle, a green and an amber one. Or that (laughs) all chocolate should be in the chocolate aisle. It doesn't need to be at the checkout. On the verge of chocolate though, Cawtha, I am a chocoholic. (laughs) And I've got to be honest here, um, is a sweet tooth a genuine thing? I mean, you must hear this all the time. We know we need to change the supermarkets, but... There's a stat that I also found that shows that, for instance, if we're looking at children, and I know how I had chocolate from a very young age, but it says that babies are predisposed to the taste of sugar within the womb. So if someone's pregnant and they're eating a lot of sugar or a lot of chocolate, like let's say if I became pregnant, I'm eating chocolate every day, does that mean I'm <laughs> putting my future child at risk of developing a chocolate addiction? Well, um, I think there is some evidence in that, in mm. in terms of that, yes, children uh, or a fetus does, the types of foods the mother's having will influence their taste preferences. Mm. And actually, maybe even more so when they're born and um, the mother's breastfeeding, yeah. then there is more influence. There is some sort of flavour that does come through, through the breast milk. But of course, I think... Not that I've tasted, but um, <laughs> breast milk is a sweeter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and therefore, that's why weaning children, it's important to wean them on bitter foods mm. just to, you know, expand that taste pa- palate. Mm. And um, because they're already, I think it's just become, it's the easy option to just give them sweeter because, sweeter foods because that's where they're going to, that's where they're used to and essentially yeah. through breast milk. So if you expand that I think that would be better well we've got so many different facets here so we're looking at supermarkets we're looking at parents even down to what the mum eats and and the environment that a child is in so we know sugar is literally everywhere it's so interesting hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, I do a lot of corporate talks in offices, and people always tell me about their sugar highs and their sugar crashes. And what, what, what is meant by that? If you could just explain to people about the whole blood sugar roller coaster thing. So if we're going to have a, you know, a chocolate bar or a fizzy drink or an energy drink, you're essentially having a high increase in blood sugar levels Mm. or glucose levels. Um, And what ends up happening, that increase, the body needs to regulate it. Mm. Um, So it can't leave you 
with such high levels of sugar because it's not healthy. And particularly with people with pre-diabetes or have diabetes, that can actually be quite dangerous. Mm. Um, So the body regulates it um, and releases insulin. Mm. And by releasing insulin... Um, it then, you know, triggers different organs in the body and different cells in the body to either use it up or um, to store it. Yes. Um, so we're looking at, you know, brain cells. Maybe that's why you feel instantly a bit more alert after mm. having sugar, but then it crashes quickly because your body wants to regulate it and maintain, um, you know, a suitable level of, of sugar. Which is why you get that crash, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and sometimes... And then you want to reach for something else to just get that high again. I see a lot of people like that. Exactly. And I think what's important is to talk about, you know, the foods that can keep you fuller for longer and has that slow compatible with your mm. body release of glucose yeah. um not to have those you know increases and then um, 100% and oh. those for anyone listening in that kind of situation those are fiber rich items looking at more complex carbohydrates eating your fruit rather than drinking it like we've discussed yeah. and also looking at different elements of things like sugar being claimed to be as addictive as cocaine mm. um This seems very extreme, you know, to be true. And I'm always trying to clear up this myth, but perhaps you could elaborate on this a a bit further because I think it's very scary for people, especially with type 2 diabetes and different conditions. I think sugar is not addictive. The evidence, there is some emergent studies, but I don't think we could conclusively say it's addictive. Um, However, we're habituated to it. We're used to it, whether it's young children having it and then you get older you're used to having you know sugar in your tea or whatever or your regular chocolate bar you know (laughs) daily chocolate bar (laughs) um so that's we're we're used to having it and people do sometimes get you know when they want to cut out sugar completely um they might get some withdrawal symptoms um but i don't think it's you know as addictive i don't think it's correct to describe it like i've definitely heard that it um, triggers a very similar neurological pathway that maybe triggers a reward center or a feeling of enjoyment yeah and it's not addiction like a alcohol kind of addiction or drug addiction we don't need it do we but we want it yeah yeah it's It's very pleasurable to have it so Uh that's essentially why we would uh, seek out for it but i think marketing and particularly marketing in all its different forms plays on that and so we end up wanting it even more we might not necessarily naturally want it as much but if you're constantly exposed to it um and you have these adverts and that essentially we might think it doesn't influence us but you know there's a lot of research it's and subliminal messaging isn't it everywhere it we look so I want you to touch on this because you've mentioned marketing now what about most people out there that perhaps are watching your classic Saturday night TV show so let's use X Factor as an example I can't believe it's still going but 10 years or however many years on X Factor <laughs> is a regular um, what about the adverts that are targeting consumers in those breaks between the TV show so we know that people without even realizing it may be being tempted to go and get a pack of popcorn in between the break or go and reach for something sugary. What are the government doing to make people more aware of the amount of sugar they consume? So in terms of um, marketing, they're doing something on that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in different areas, they're also looking at that. So when we started off our campaign in 2014... There was some talk around sugar, particularly around it being poisonous and toxic and particularly fructose being really bad. Um, but the evidence, we I think it was lucky that we launched our campaign during a time when 
the revised recommendation for the UK came. So that created, you know, a really unified evidence base as to what kinds of sugars we need mm. to be reducing. Mm. So at the time, we focused on, you know, looking at attacks on soft drinks, perhaps looking at uh, reduction in marketing and promotion of high sugar products, looking at the marketing and family TV time yeah, um, and restrictions around the types of products that are shown. Mm. Um, and then most importantly, which is kind of our flagship, is around a, a reformulation programme. I'm so happy you've mentioned that. Cause this is when I first met you, 2014, yeah. and we went to watch a film we did. Um, <laughs> called That Sugar Film or yeah. something. And this is when you just joined, I think, Action on Sugar. Yeah. So if we're looking at reformulation, could you just describe what that entails. So reformulation essentially is on the benefits or you know the long-term benefits. Previously I was working um, on salt reduction um, and it's basically looking at what was the success of reducing salt in our diets without us even realizing we were reducing salt. Um, And it's basically getting companies working with companies through uh, guidelines and regulations set by government um, around what are the best-selling products and how can these selling products be improved um so reformulation essentially because that's what my phd was on yes um, essentially (laughs) it means how to improve products Mm -hmm. to increase or maintain the healthy components of a product while reducing the unhealthy components so whether it's the saturated fat the salt or the sugar yes so reformulation and the success we've seen for salt and it has been reduced um we wanted to apply it based on a very similar, you know, whether essentially the same charity, mm. um, uh, but this time for sugar. Oh, it's wonderful, Koth. The things you guys have done, I think, have been wonderful. Could you touch on, so if we're reformulating products, how to read the labels? So what is a high sugar, what is a low sugar amount on a label? So a high sugar amount would be would get a red traffic light. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be more than 22.5 grams of sugar. Now, per 100 I think grams. per 100 grams... I still think that is very generous. It's quite high, because isn't it? <laughs> that essentially means that 22.5% of that product can be sugar. It's like six teaspoons. Yeah, so I think I think even that needs to be revised to take into... Because obviously we've had that before the sugar recommendation, reducing sugar mm. recommendation came about. So mm. that needs to be uh, put in line with that. Um, so again, but I think it's a useful guideline yeah. because that's what we have right so now. So that's high. And what about low? Low will be less than five. Yeah, less than five um, grams I've got in my head per 100 yeah, grams. Yeah, less than yeah. five grams per 100 grams. And that would be well, that would get a green light. But but again, not it's all supermarkets... It's teaspoons of sugar, isn't it? Yeah, and not all products actually have those colour-coded labelling. No. Um, some, you know, all the supermarkets do actually on their own label products. But they that doesn't necessarily happen um, for all the manufactured products. So if you're a consumer in a breakfast cereal aisle... You can't necessarily compare all your different brown flakes because <laughs> some might have it and some might not. Yeah, um, but increasingly tedious. there's been a l- strong push behind um, getting companies to make it, you know, have a unified label mm. because unless we have similar labels on similar on the same products. Um, on similar products, then people can't make that comparison easily. Mm, it's very confusing. Um, the traffic, because traffic lights, like you said, just aren't everywhere. Yeah, they're not not everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I think what what is the benefit of getting companies 
uh, to have the same label mm. is that then they won't be as they will be forced to be very transparent about when a product mm. is red, and that becomes a huge incentive for a company to reformulate so to make that it they, amber or yeah, green. Exactly. Mm. Um, so I think that's really that's really the aim of it. It's again we're not focusing on telling the consumer what to do. We're focusing on what companies could be you know, could be held accountable and made more responsible for what they're producing, how they're labelling and how transparent they're they, they okay. are being. Well, that's great to hear that that's happening. And if we could, so I'm a big fan of everything in moderation. Of course, I think sugar does have a place, but of course, not as much as maybe most people are having. So can you suggest any swaps that children could have, perhaps instead of sweets or, or fizzy drinks? What kind of things would you tell somebody or anyone listening to go for? So if we're looking at, let's assume that young children that are having already used to having fruit juice, I would encourage um, parents to gradually dilute it just with water. That's a good idea. Um, if you're an older, uh, like a teenager, encourage them to add perhaps sparkling water. Oh, I love sparkling um, <laughs> So yeah, that reduces the sugar content of that drink. Um, you could opt for the diet options. Um, again, I, th- I am constantly asked about whether they are actually better. Sweeteners. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go there. That This will be something everyone's thinking, oh, but diet things contain sweeteners. Yeah. What's the view on that? So I think it's not, it's unhelpful to group all sweeteners together mm. because some have been in our diets for about 30 years mm. and some in the last two years. Mm. Some have been historically or, you know, like stevia, it was a plant used in South America and people have always had it in their diet. We've then taken it, found the actual chemical that makes that sweetness and produced it in labs and added it to products. Which is 10 times sweeter than an average, yeah. isn't it, at this stage? Um, so it, unless we have studies that specifically looked at the long-term impact and we don't necessarily have those types of studies yet, mm. we can't just you know, paint them with the same brush mm. and say they're all damaging to health. What is actually the stronger evidence is around sugar and sugar is, you know, unhealthy and it's it's proven and we've got strong evidence behind it. We don't necessarily have that evidence when it comes to sweeteners. Okay. I'm not saying I'm a huge advocate for sweeteners, mm. but I'm saying if you're a person that's used to having fizzy drinks Perhaps and soft drinks, start. it's a good starting point. It's a short term solution. I'm always taught it's about short term solution. Ideally, in the long run, you should just have them occasionally. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an ideal scenario. Just have your odd fizzy drink every now and again. But if you really are addicted to the fizzy drinks, maybe a sweetener option is a way of cutting back a little bit. So we have lots of questions from my followers around sugar for you. I hope you're ready for these. (laughs) Things that come up a lot. So Sophie has asked, I've been using agave syrup in my baking as opposed to sugar because it's in the healthy section in my local supermarket. Now, is it really better for us? And I'm going to chuck on there a question to add on to that. Can you explain the difference between things like agave, honey, maple syrup? Like, are they really better than sugar? So, uh, really good question because it's a piece of work that we've been focusing on and will soon be launched. Um, so, they are essentially the same. Mm. Um, however, if you are baking and they syrups tend to be sweeter than sugar mm. um, and you're using less of it, then perhaps that's you know that's okay but if don't you lose less <laughs> but if you're using it and then eating the product as though it's actually a healthy product so therefore you're taking in more sugar and more calories that's where the 
problem yeah. lies. It's a bit like people say, I'm having a diet drink to have a slice of cake. Mm. That's why you don't get the benefit of having those products. Um, so, yeah. But agave in general, um, put in the healthy section of the supermarket. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what, what your opinion is, but, but my opinion would be that agave actually isn't a very healthy syrup at all to be having. It's that I would even rather people have sugar or honey than agave. Yeah. So I think, again, there's also confusion around honey. Um, mm. And we've looked at the evidence behind honey. Mm. Um, in the only scenario where randomized controlled trials have actually shown benefits is when it comes to you having a sore throat or a cold. Yeah, with manuka have... honey. Yeah, mm. exactly. So um, apart from that, it's, um, you know, the, the, sh- the sugar content of it is so high that it does it's not that different yeah. to table sugar there and you're you right go. about agave syrup oh agave is not a great option i would really advise people not really if they're listening and it's to expensive it. it's very expensive and it's a bit of a marketing con so <laughs> and this is a gorgeous name i always have a problem with the names actually sometimes this is beautiful is it portia or portia p-o-r-t-i-a I wonder how. I, I, I'm going to go for poor, poor Cha. You're better. I try. I'm trying. <laughs> she said, I once read that we should eat a maximum of three pieces of fruit per day. Is that true? I really hope not. <laughs> so the advice around fruit and veg is five. Um, I think it pro- it should be more that we should be increasing veg intake over mm. fruit. Um, but I don't think there is, you know, from, from the evidence and our recommendations in the UK, there's nothing that will say specifically fruit should be three portions. No, I think, to be honest, 27% of the UK don't get five a day. So if we can just get you eating as much as possible, um, that would be great. Georgina has said, does alcohol have sugar in it? Alcohol does have sugar in it. And it contributes to more calories per 100 mils mm-hmm. um, compared to soft drinks. And I think that's what people tend to forget. Um, I think there should be better labelling on alcohol. There's hardly any labelling on alcohol. It's very hard to know what's um, going on in the bottle no of wine. You have no idea what's, no. what's in the drink um, and how much calories, energy, etc. it's contributing. So... Good question. Okay, right. So obviously watch your space. I mean, we all know alcohol is not the best option for us, but in moderation, guys. Seema has said, I found zero calorie sweets in a health store. Surely these are better for the children than pick a mix. Zero, zero calorie yeah, sweets. Yeah, zero calorie sweets. Um, again, so these zero calorie sweets would might have um, different sugar alcohols, um, which tend to be like xylitol mm. or maltitol um, aren't they laxatives xylitol. yes that, so yeah <laughs> sorry i've often what happens when someone opens a packet of sweets they <laughs> you know sometimes finish half of the pack or maybe the whole of the pack you might get side effects if you do that with a with a sugar-free option oh, um so yes if you're going to have you know a few of them every day or every other day or whatever um but you just be aware and they will have it on the label at the back Mm. if that if you exceed or if you eat it in excess you might have it might have a laxative this is when i have a problem with products marketed with calories only in mind like zero calories or guilt-free or anything like that because essentially food is food yeah all food will have some knock-on effect on your body and to label something as just being negligible like that is very confusing i think for people Um, i find the (laughs) The one that I really like mentioning, um, and I find it really funny, is um, marshmallow tends to be tends to always say they're my favorite zero percent fat. Yes, <laughs> as though you know that 
a good reason to eat a marshmallow. Um, but again, that's just a marketing. But one. this is when people also count macro counting, for instance. So they'll think, oh, I can have this because it doesn't add into this macro, which is where macro counting is flawed. So when yeah. it, it just doesn't make sense for your health. But anyway, we are now moving on to my favorite part of the podcast. Okay. This is fact or fiction. Fact or fiction. Okay. Right, you got it. Right. Question number one. Sugar is addictive. Uh, fiction. Sugar causes more deaths than smoking. No, uh, fiction. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. You can eat too much fruit. Mm, fiction. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Because I'm sure someone out there could probably have like 200 pieces of fruit. <laughs> yeah. That would be too much. Sugar causes weight gain. Uh, yes, um, true. Um, if you have it in excess, it's one of those ma- macronutrients that does contribute to excess calorie intake and therefore risk of weight gain. There we go. Artificial sweeteners are better than sugar. Uh, true, um, as a lot as, as a short term solution, and yeah, if it's swapping sugar essentially or sugary drinks, mm-hmm. yes, you should eliminate sugar from our diets. Uh, fiction you can't <laughs> no <laughs> no you can't it's in everything isn't it so that, that's the difference we don't mean free sugars guys if you've learned sugar causes cancer uh fiction i don't think the evidence stands up to that claim yet that's good to know honey is healthy uh, fiction apart if you have a really sore throat that might help you there we go and only manuka honey guys not the shop for normal honeys are not going to do anything sugar causes wrinkles I say fiction. Okay. But there is probably something, some sort of evidence around how it's I heard too about much of it. too much glycation. Yeah. Yeah potentially so I think a lot of people that are stiffening maybe collagen or proteins from too much sugar in the diet that's a very hard one to answer on a quick fire round yeah um <laughs> natural sugars are healthier than refined sugars oh what's the difference <laughs> um Fiction, definitely. Okay. So that kind of concludes the quickfire round. But I want to really just finish on that, actually, before I go into the food for thought today. The fact that everyone is talking about natural sugars. Everyone is talking about, oh, I, I use maple syrup. You know, I'm going to make brownies with maple syrup and sweet potato instead of normal sugar and eggs. Why has this happened? Well, I think um, partly maybe we've contributed to this in terms of raised a lot of awareness around the levels of sugar in foods. Mm. But we've never really talked about sugar as in, you know, what you're adding. It's more about sugar in the product. So I think that's what you have to go back to because essentially most of our diet is now products that are sold in supermarkets. Mm. They are not, you know, simple, basic whole foods no they're all Um, combinations of lots of different ingredients yeah exactly so i think it's um again we have to go focusing on that um but i think people have taken that and then said well what could i do i could add maybe and i think of course companies have then played on that by marketing those alternatives as the solution Mm. when essentially they are not. not that different no um and i think eventually we'd like to focus on this but also big campaigns like Change for Life, um, Public Health England's campaigns need to focus on educating people as to really what are the, what are the sugars uh, we need. I mean, we could do so much, but 
they need to be talking about it. should be in school, it. shouldn't it? And yeah. teaching children how to look at what sugar is. And just because it has a maple leaf on a packet or a bee or a, a, a tree does yeah. not mean it's going to be healthier. So exactly. that nearly wraps up this episode. But as with every guest, we finish with a food for thought. So mine today would be that quitting sugar means alienating specific foods. And when we tell ourselves not to eat something, it leads to increased cravings and therefore at some point may lead to perhaps either a binge episode or an all or nothing unhealthy relationship with food. Instead of quitting sugar, I recommend my clients in my clinic to work on creating a healthy relationship with it. And as Kortha just discussed with me, education around it. So remember, all foods in moderation can be part of a healthy diet. Food is fuel for our bodies. However, it's also supposed to be pleasurable. So restricting food groups can really deprive your body of important nutrients and in doing so can take away pleasure and satisfaction from the eating experience. And I will always see food as a positive aspect of life, offering enjoyment, fuel and happiness. So Cawthor, if you could leave everyone with a food for thought today, something they should take home, what would that be? So I would say, definitely agree with what you've said. Um, I don't think I've ever suggested that people cut out sugar completely, even though I've been campaigning on sugar for the last <laughs> five, six years or so. Um, and the reason is, I think we need to look beyond that, beyond what you could do as a consumer. And of course, you could do a lot, um, but it's it's a constant struggle if you're going to a supermarket and you're tempted by this and that. Uh, and we all, all are, uh, even even as a registered nutritionist. It happens to everyone. Oh, we both eat sugar. Um, because because uh, essentially that's what that's how these marketing campaigns are designed to really influence our behavior um and so i think we need to look at being aware of how much sugar there is in products and i hope that our campaigns helped in that but also and you can go to our website and you could see lists and so lists. what's the website where can they go so it's www.actiononsugar.org mm-hmm. And you can find lists and lists of each different types of survey that we've done. So let's say fizzy drinks. What were the highest products in sugar? What were the lowest products in sugar? Mm. You can look at, you know, even blueberry muffins. What were the highest? What were the lowest? <laughs> um, so that would create some awareness, um, looking at what other, what supermarkets are doing better than others. Mm. Um, but also to call on those companies. If you're really a big fan of a coffee shop, and you think there is space for them to improve things, then let them know. They like to hear from their consumers. Um, And also, um, I think what's beyond that is to call on the government and respond to consultations about protecting children and improving the environment for children so that they are growing in a healthy environment where they do have more options that are catered and will help them be healthier people in the future oh i mean there's so much passion there and i can see exactly why you are in the job role you're in Cawthor, thank you so much for sharing your food for thoughts with us today thank you for having me thank you so much for listening it really is heartening to know there's such a craving to hear from expert voices in a world full of confusing advice If you enjoyed this episode, you'll love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there and hopefully help more people. So we'd really appreciate it. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com, subscribe to my newsletter, and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 